so good to us tonight. I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord. I wanted to make an announcement, too, um, because we have been invited uh, to this tomorrow, starting tomorrow night. It will be actually Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at Faith Pentecostal Church uh, in Hull. That was uh, the church that Brother Fowler formerly pastored and now uh, Brother uh, Reeves now uh, pastors there, Christopher Reeves. And um, they will be having the Amen Conference starting tomorrow night at 730. That's at 795 Norwood Road in Hull. And so uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at 730. Going to be some great preachers there, and it's going to be a great service. And so we're looking forward to that. If you can come out and support them one night, two nights, or all three nights, whatever you want to do, I'm sure it would be encouraging to them. Uh, Brother and Sister Reeves are doing a good job over there. We want to encourage them and help them all we can. So if you can go tomorrow night or, or Friday night, Saturday, I know they'd love to see you and just would enjoy having us there with them. So looking forward to that. Tonight, uh, got uh, one of my favorite humans going to speak to us tonight. Love this guy so much. Brother Shannon Peacock's going to come and teach tonight. Let's give him a hand as he comes. Love this guy. Love his family. Hallelujah. Greetings in Jesus' name, and praise God for great things happening at Restoration Apostolic Church. Amen? Sister, Sister Annabeth, I don't think there's a more appropriate song for what we're going to speak about tonight than what y'all sang. Some God just knows how to do it. And uh, I will never personally, I will never understand the argument that some people make to say that there is no God or the argument that they use to say that God is not loving, that someone who is old can get miraculous he- miraculously healed while a younger person does not get healed and does not make it. And many people have trouble reconciling the two. They say if there was a God, then why would He or He would not or if He was truly loving and benevolent, then he would not let this happen. Well, to say that, first of all, is to assume that we can understand the mind of an almighty God. And that kills the argument right there. But also, they seem to fail to realize that even tragedy can serve a purpose. Now, were some tragedies preordained? I I cannot tell you that. I don't believe all, all of them are. But I do know that if something does happen, God can make something good of it. He can bring good out of it. We've seen Him do that over and over again. And I am glad to say that we will continue to see Him do that over and over again. I'm not glad the trials continue, but we will see God continue to do great things out of terrible things that happen. If you would, you can go ahead and turn to 1 Samuel 21. I'll start at verse 8, the story of David, there are so many things to be learned from it, and I've had this message on my mind for, for quite some time, a very, a very long, long time, in fact, and if you'll help me preach it the way that I feel it, I believe it can be a great blessing to someone here tonight, Amen. 1 Samuel 21, starting at 8, And David said unto Ahimelech, Ahimelech the priest, And is there not 
here under thine hand spear or sword, sword, for I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste, which was shorthand for the king is trying to kill me, and I had to hurry. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If thou wilt take that, take it, for there is no other save that here. And David said, There is none like that. Give it me. Pastor, would you pray for us tonight? Amen. Let's clap our hands one more big time for the Lord. Or as I say to the kids, give the Lord a big old fat hand clap. Hallelujah. You can be seated. David, a boy of praise, and by the way, I'd, I'd like to call this the sword of gratitude. David, a boy of praise, stood tall and still in the great valley of Elah, having just won the greatest victory of his life up until that point, and perhaps, arguably, the greatest victory that he would ever win. The head of Goliath lay severed on the ground, and his sword was held tight in the youthful hand of David, who only moments earlier had acquired the esteemed title of giant killer. The trumpets of triumph began to blast, the soldiers of Israel shouted, and earth-trembling cry, and soon David was paraded down the streets for his family and fellow citizens to applaud. And it was then that David faced one of the greatest temptations of his life, to keep the glory of that victory to himself or to give God and God alone all the praise. It was David's right to keep that sword of Goliath to himself. He could have presented it to his proud father for him to hang on the mantle like a, a trophy for, to, for him to brag on whenever they had guests over. But David did not. He could have placed that gleaming weapon privately in his room to, to ever remind him of the most life-changing moment that he had up until then. But David did not. And we will soon see the benefits of giving all the glory, all the praise to God. True gratitude sometimes is forced. There are so many times in our lives when we just don't feel grateful. When we just don't feel thankful and we have to force ourselves to do it. I like going, I, and honestly, Pastor, I can't remember who gave me the title first of Shout and Shannon, if it was a, a, a kids who did that or if, if I came up with it on my own, but I love to shout. Now, I like to worship the Lord on the ba base. I call that finger shouting because I like to, when the Spirit gets moving, I can get just as much a blessing doing this little thing right here as I can doing this little thing right here, which ain't too bad for a white boy. I'm just saying, all right? Now, the, I, actually, one time when I was at Brother Mangan's church, uh, he, uh, I had just got through doing my jig, and, and he, he called me up. Yes, I'm name dropping. He called me up there. He said, Brother Shannon, come up here. I want you to shout one more time, just like that. So I got up there, and I just did my thing. And he looked out and said, all you white folks ain't got no excuse. His words, not mine. 
I love to worship God. When the Spirit is moving, when we are getting, when the glory is falling down, it is such a blessing just to worship and magnify God. And quite frankly, it is easy to do so during those times, and that's okay. But there are other times when we have to make ourselves say, thank you, Jesus. When we have to grit our teeth and we utter the words, hallelujah, anyhow, and the scales just fall just a little bit, and we think, okay, it's going to be better. I can do this. You see, true praise exists in all adversity. All adversity. And there will come a day for all of us that when we will gladly praise God in our most grueling of trials. Many years after David's triumph over Goliath, as he fled from the jealous rage of King Saul, he ran into the temple of God, defenseless and without a weapon in hand. And he, he requested of Ahimelech the priest something with which to defend himself, but the temple was not an armory. The temple was not a place where weapons were stored. It was the house of God. It was a house of worship and a house of praise, not a place for weapons. However, in that least likely place, laid neatly behind the ephod, was just what David needed. The priest placed in David's hand a weapon, not just any weapon, but a sword greater than anything he could have ever hoped for. It was the sword of Goliath. And David said, I remember that sword. I remember what it was like to hold it high and to sever the head of that giant. I have never seen a sword like it since, and I probably will never see a sword like it again. Give me that sword. There was nothing like it, nothing greater. And now David, a man of greater stature, stronger, much firmer hand, held that sword and said, there is no sword like it in all the land. I've seen many weapons, but there's no sword like this sword. I've been in many battles, but I've never met a greater warrior. And I can only imagine the gratitude that must have filled David's heart, thinking, thanking God Almighty that he never kept that sword to himself. But he remembered all those years ago, so thankful so glad that he relinquished it to God and gave God all the glory from whom all victories come. Not every question comes with an answer. Not every, not every trial comes with a, a, a clear vision of purpose. And not every loss that we suffer comes with an absolution. But my friend, you need to know that you are loved by God and He rejoices over your very existence. So I remember years ago, 2011 was probably the most brutal year that the Peacock family has ever gone through. Ever since then, if someone's heartbeat gets over 100, we nearly stroke out and have 911 on speed dial. And, uh, because that was a brutal year for us. And, and I, it, I don't want to make this whole thing all about me, but if you'll allow me to share a testimony. My brother, Sean, who had just been diagnosed with Hypertrophy, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. The doctor said his case was a 10 out of 10 for severity. And he was going to have some treatments. He was two weeks away from having a pacemaker and defibrillator put in uh, to his heart, uh, an internal one, to, to stay there. And 
he was two weeks away, and it was Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday. And he led song service that day, and he got up and sang, Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified. Freed me forever. One day, he's coming back. Glorious day. But when he sang that song, that condition that he had had began to overtake him. And he began to feel the effects of it. And he called for the music to stop. But before he could sing the very last line, he collapsed of a massive heart attack in the middle of that song. At the time, my family and I, my uh, wife and my only daughter at the time, Belle, were living in Louisiana. We got the call from my mother, completely frantic, saying what had just happened. And nobody survives that kind of heart attack. Nobody. By the way, he survived that kind of heart attack and is still here worshiping the Lord today. And uh, incidentally, that same morning, we found out that Bell was not going to be an only child, so it was a day for the, <laughs> for the peacock. It, it was, nothing will change your life like two little blue lines, I tell you what. So it was a day. It was a day. And so we began the trip home, and there was a time we, we stopped halfway, and, and, uh, and I woke and stayed at a hotel, and I got up early in the morning, and I just began to walk around the hotel talking to God. And there come a point for me that I knew that he wasn't going to make it because nobody survives that. He went into a very deep coma, was not doing well at all, losing brain function. And there was a point that I in my own self really didn't feel like he was going to make it. And I became fearful. I became angry. But I forced myself to say, even though I didn't feel it, God, I'm going to love you anyway. God, I'm going to serve you anyway, no matter what the loss is, God. I, know, I don't know how I'm going to feel later, but I know what I feel now. And what I feel now is not very thankful. It is not very grateful. But God, I will give you the glory anyway. I will make myself say, thank you, Jesus. I will make myself be grateful to you, God. And for those of you who don't know, know all the details, I, I won't take the time to go into it, but he, it happened while he was with people. That's about a 50-50 chance. Only uh, 3% of people know that they have that condition, so he had the proper treatment waiting for him. And there was an ambulance that was five minutes away, and the, the, after doing a lot of research in that, I came up with about one in 500, what are the odds of an ambulance being that close, and it was also defibrillator equipped, which saved his life. Only about one in three ambulance, uh, ambulances are equipped with that. When you put all these things together, when you start multiplying all the decimals together, I couldn't come up with anything better than about one in a million. All those things coming together. God sometimes raises us up, and I don't know how He does this, but sometimes He just puts circumstances together. Sometimes He just puts things in place. He puts this here, and He puts that there, and I can't figure out how He does it. But to me, that's more miraculous than just simply being raised from the dead because he makes people do things. He makes circumstances do things. And my brother made a miraculous recovery. And then later that year, tragedy struck. And I'm not here to try to get any kind of emotional response from a story like this. That wouldn't be fair. But again, I do want to share a testimony. Thanksgiving night, 
I received my final text from my father. It simply said, I thank God for you. Actually, after that, he made a joke on Facebook. My, uh, my wife had made orange duck, and my dad said, who cares what color the duck is? Just eat up, something, something like that, something like that. But my father, who had had a heart attack earlier that year, he was only 61 years old, and very suddenly, he passed of a massive heart attack, unexpectedly. We are all just a phone call away, friends. And I'm, again, I'm not here to, to, to bring up any undue emotions, but sometimes it just happens. And I remember going down, and my wife was 18 days away from having our second child. And I thought how unfair it was. And I went through all the things that, that one goes through in, in, in such a situation. And I went home, and, and what happened to me when we said goodbye to my father changed me. Because when you say goodbye to somebody, it's not a very grateful time always. It doesn't feel like a very thankful time always. But I remember when I felt unimaginable grief, when I felt pain like I had never known. I tried to say thank you, Jesus, anyway, and the words just wouldn't come. Say what you will. For me, it was anger. Anger that my father would not meet my second child Anger that, that he died at such a, at, at such a young age and, and anger over, over such an unexpected loss. And there is nothing, church, there is nothing that will block a grateful heart. For me, at least, there is nothing that will block a grateful heart quicker than just anger. Because even when I did get the words out, thank you, Jesus, it felt like, it felt like sarcasm. It felt, it, felt, it, they, it felt like a scathing rebuke. And I'm going to be honest with you again. I even felt the emotion of anger towards God. I felt that. I did not curse God. I did not say, God, you messed up. You did something wrong. But I felt this emotion and I said, God, I'm sorry. I feel this, but I just do. And this is what God said to me. He said, that's okay as long as you're faithful. All the feelings that we feel when such tragedy happens don't don't fault yourself for it. If you feel anger, be angry. If you feel sadness, feel sadness. If you, whatever it is that you go through during such a, a difficult time, it's okay to feel that way. God can handle whatever it is that you feel during that time. And I remember there came a moment where something happened to me that changed me forever. I began to feel a gratitude like I never had. I began to see the world in a brand new way. I began to realize that in all the tragedy and, and, and all the hurt and all the things that we have to go through and suffer for this life, somehow, somehow, we can still be happy. Somehow, we still win. Somehow, we still have victory. And that's the thing when it comes to living for Jesus. No matter what the weapon is, I win. As long as I am faithful, as long as I am thankful, I win. If I lose someone early, I win. If everything I own burns to ash, I win. If all my accomplishments come to naught, I win. I win, I win, I win. As long as, as long as we continue to say thankful every day, even when we don't feel it, even when we don't want to, even when we have to force ourselves to, 
Patricia West in the 1980s was a woman who had a very rare type of blood. And the doctors told her, Patricia, you need to donate blood because someone with that type could be in need one day. And so she began to donate regularly to the Edison Blood Bank in Florida. Every single month she would go time after time and donate. She would go through the pain and discomfort of donating blood. Many years later, she moved away from Florida, and she moved to Michigan, and she went in for a a routine surgery, and something went terribly wrong on the operating table, and she began to bleed profusely, and the doctors could not stop it, and they... The search went out for the type of blood that she had, and none was found. And then they expanded the search to other states, and still nothing could be found for this very rare type of blood that she had. And finally, the call went into the Edison Blood Bank in Florida. That's right. It was her own blood that saved your life. You may not feel it, but every time you say, I love you anyway, Jesus, every hallelujah, anyhow, God holds every one of them in the palm of his hand. And when the day comes that the life is draining out of you and you just say, God, I've got nothing left. That's the day God's going to say, don't you worry. I've got just what you need. God's going to pour into you a gratitude like you have never felt before. You won't have to work for it. You won't have to push for it. You won't have to make yourself feel it. God will endow you with something that will change you forever. And so many of you, there are people here who know exactly what I'm talking about. There are people here who experienced tragedy in times that, that, that they never thought they would. And, and just recently, and I'm not trying to invoke a situation to, again, bring any kind of undue emotional response, but in the church I grew up in, I got a call that never, never thought I would. And people suffer so many different things. I won't take the time to go into this. People say, why would God not do this? This. Why would God not stop this? Why would God let someone do this to themselves? Why would God? I cannot tell you that. But I can tell you that sometimes God could stop someone from having a stroke and they still have it. And I I, I, I deal with my own lifelong issues. It's like I always say, we all have issues and we all need tissues, which is life. It's just life. But they went through a catastrophic and unimaginable failure. Not a failure by God, not a failure by a person, but a failure of just life. There's nothing for it. I hate death. I hate it. I hate having to see people go when they, when they shouldn't. And in those moments, we have to say to ourselves, am I going to continue to be thankful? And in some situations, it feels like saying thank you, Jesus, anyway, would almost be insulting to someone who's, who's gone through worse or who, who's gone through something different. And how painful it was to see a young man that I've known since birth, Pastor Michael, have to go through such an awful ordeal and knowing that he will continue to go through it. How can I continue to say thank you, Jesus, anyway? 
I, I, when, I, when I spoke with him, I, I almost felt like if I said something positive, like it would be insulting. But church, that's all we got. That's all we got. And all the situations and all the tragedies and all the unimaginable grief and pain, all we have is thank you, Jesus. We live in such an ungrateful society fraught with attitudes of entitlement. And it would be, it can be so easy for this, for us to get caught up in that type of mentality, contain, con, uh, claiming victim status in, in every trial, assuming that we have the right to every good thing in our life. But if we do that, we make it easier for our enemy to accomplish his one goal, and that is to simply defeat us. And how many times my enemy has stared me down with bold arrogance and said, you cannot defeat me. And if I had never learned, if I had never learned to renounce my own victim status and give God praise in all things, then it would be so. But now, when my enemy says to me, you cannot you will not defeat me. I will and I can stand high on a field of victory viewing every dead and decaying deception He ever sent to attack me. By the grace of God, I will continue to wield my sword of gratitude and lay waste to every temptation to forsake the thankfulness that God has placed deep inside of me. And though some things must be endured for a time, I will defeat depression I will slay every sadness and though sometimes I fall I will trample on temptation so when the enemy says to me you will not defeat me under the anointing and boldness endowed by God I will tell him I'll do a whole lot more than defeat you I will destroy you and how will I do it how will I accomplish this great thing simply by uttering the three most basic words in my Christian vocabulary. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for every blessing. Thank you, Jesus, for every mountain you gave me strength to climb. Thank you, Jesus, for every trial that brought me closer to you. Thank you, Jesus. For every failure that taught me just how human I am and how much I need you. Thank you, Jesus. That's all I got. Thank you, Jesus. That's all I have is my praise. And now I know, after going through what I went through those years ago, I know now that I am going to be okay. I know now that no matter what it is, and I know that I could certainly go through worse, and I know many other people have gone through worse, but I like what Sister Annabeth said a few weeks ago. Trauma is trauma. Whatever you're going through, don't stop and say, this person had it worse, so I need to feel better. No, 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 no. Don't do that to yourself. You let yourself feel whatever it is that you need to feel to deal with your problems and your trauma and your situations. Amen? All the while, just simply saying, thank you, Jesus. I don't feel it today. Today's, today's not a good day. Today's one of my bipolar up days. Today is just, <laughs> you know, I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about some, some other people. I don't, you know, just one of my up days. You know, I just can't think straight. I'm just racing. But uh, thank you, Jesus, anyway. One of my down days. <sighs> thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I don't feel those words right now. But, but I love you anyway. you got to wait this one out. It's, it, it, I, 
I will live above it. I will live above it. Just because I'm going through it and feeling it doesn't mean I'm not living above it. Stand with me if you would right now. The ephod. The ephod was a, and you can come to the music if you wish. The ephod was a uh, priestly garment used in the routine of sacrifice and worship in the temple. It was part of a ritual. It was part of a routine. It was time to stand and bow your heads and close your eyes, or it was, it was time to, for the musicians to come, or it was time for us to stand and take up our offering. It was time for a routine to occur. But it was a routine that was ordained by God. When we go through our daily rituals of getting in touch with God, our service schedules, things that we do every time. We do this many songs. Not every time. God knows how to interrupt things. But when we go through these things that we do every time, this is expected and this is going to happen next. And there are, there are no surprises. And, and uh, this next song is, is starting and, and statement of faith. Don't ever underestimate the power of godly routine. Let me say that again. Don't ever, ever think less of a God-given routine than we should. Because hiding behind the ephod was something that David never expected. My friends, hiding behind the routine of worship, the routine of let's lift our hands, the routine of let's bow our heads, behind the routine of it's time to come to the altar, behind all that, when the day comes, when you say, God, I'm sorry, but I have nothing to give you. I feel nothing right now, God. I feel nothing for you. I want to. I know I should. I know I should feel thankful, but I don't feel thankful right now. I know I should feel grateful for the good things, but when I look at the good things, it reminds me that I don't have many of them anymore, and I, just, I don't feel that. That's okay. Just stick to the ephod. Stick to the routine. Stick to praising God. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. Don't stop coming to church. Don't stop talking to God. Don't stop doing the things that you do every day that sometimes they seem only second nature, but that is a routine that is ordained by God. And one day, God will endow you with a gratitude like you've never had before. A time when you don't have to force yourself to feel it. A time when you don't have to make yourself feel thankful. A time when it will just happen and when it does, my friends. The things you will see, the way, the perspective you will have looking back on your life, thinking about all that God has done. When I look back over my life, the song says, think things over. The good, the bad, all of it. I can truly say I've been blessed. I have a testimony. Be faithful. Be thankful. Even when you don't feel it. Don't fault yourself for not feeling it. Don't be upset with yourself for not feeling it. But just stay faithful. Just stay faithful. It's going to come rolling back. The good feelings are going to come back. The thankfulness is going to come rolling back around. And even better news, so are the blessings. So are the wonderful things that God has given us. I won't take the time to tell you all the circumstances that gave us a new house. 
the, the realtor said you need to expect three to six months before you even have an offer accepted. We moved in in less than two months. This is our year, folks. I'm sorry. I want to, Pastor, I want to say we deserve this. It's just, it's, a, it's just about we don't, but it's just the way you feel sometimes. The thankfulness, the gratitude's going to come. The good things are going to come. Restoration is going to come. I promise you, you will breathe again. You will lift your head once again and feel it. Hallelujah. Pastor, would you come and continue this service in the way that you feel? Let's, can we do that right now? Can we give God thanks? Whatever we feel or don't feel, let's talk to God a little while, church. Praise the Lord. While they're singing, let's just open this altar up and you can come and kneel or come and stand, but just come with a grateful heart. Come lift up some praise. So I've done this many times before. One more time. I can't remember how many times I've been to the altar, Pastor. That's all right. You're just you're putting it in the bank. It's going to be a blessing to you. Hallelujah. One more time. Come grateful. God spared you. God looked out for you. God kept you. It got bad. It got dark. It got really tough. But, but here you are still in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and love him in this church.
Come on, lift your voice across the room if you're thankful for the blood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your blood. Thank you for the blood. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What a great, great encouraging word tonight. Well, I tell you, I really loved what he said about routine. I've, I've talked with people about that before. And, uh, but, but, you know, it brought to mind a scripture that Paul said. He, he said, don't get weary in well-doing. He said, because if you don't, if you stay faithful, if you keep going, he said, you shall reap if you faint not, you know. And basically what he said, he said, you got a routine of doing good stuff. Well, keep doing it because it's going to pay off. That's what he was saying. Just, just like that lady giving that blood, she probably couldn't even remember how many pints of blood she had given. And probably couldn't even remember when she started doing that. And while she's out of it on a table and they're frantically searching, they find something she had done over and over again. And it came back and saved her life. I'll tell you, God keeps good records. Sister Everhart used to say, the Lord keeps good records, and, and he does. And uh, he bottles up our tears. One place he talks about our tears being bottled up. And it, God just sees every bit of it. And uh, even Hezekiah, when the Lord said, get your house in order or you will surely die, he just turned his face to the wall, and he began to remind God of how he had stood and how faith, he had been faithful to the Lord and he didn't even ask for his life, but God saw that and was, God already knew it, but Hezekiah just saw, I'll just remind you, Lord. And the Lord said, go back in and tell him he's got 15 more years. It pays to be faithful to God. It pays to be faithful. Amen. Praise God. Let's give him a hand clap and a shout of praise tonight. Hallelujah. So thankful. So many times he's been so faithful. So you just keep doing you just keep doing it. Even when you don't feel like it, even when you don't feel it, you just keep doing because it's going to pay off in the end. Brother Shannon, thank you, brother. Fantastic word tonight. Make sure you let Brother Shannon know how much we enjoyed that. And don't forget, we'll be here Sunday, the Lord willing, uh, ready for church, 11 o'clock and then 12 o'clock. And uh, if you hadn't been baptized in Jesus' name, Sunday would be a good time to do that. If you can, make it over to the Amen Conference either Thursday, Friday, or Saturday, 730, and that's going to be a great time as well. It's a good week to have some good church. Amen? God bless you. Be safe tonight. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.